All right, what's up, church? How we doing, everybody? We good? Yeah, man, welcome to Tailgate Weekend. We are so just pumped that you are here today. And uh, some of you, maybe you're new. Uh, it's your first time here. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, maybe you just saw it online, saw a post, and you decided to come check it out. Thank you for being here. So glad that you're here. Maybe, uh, maybe some of you came with a friend who lied to you and told you you were going to tailgate, and, and you thought you were going to be at Arrowhead, and then they just ripped you into the parking lot here and, or at our South Campus. I'm sorry uh, for that, but we're glad that you're here. And uh, so I'm just so pumped that you're here. And I want to say, before we jump into our content, welcome everybody who's watching online. And, of course, everybody who's over at that Southside South Campus. Come on, can we welcome everybody who's with us today? We're so glad you're here today. Um, I, I just want to encourage you over the next couple of moments about God's heart and his plan and his purpose for your life because we really believe that he has something uh, amazing for you. Uh, but before I jump into some content, I want to encourage you to come back next weekend. Everybody say next weekend. Come on, everybody everywhere say next weekend. Next weekend, we are launching our forward campaign, okay? So we're going to be talking about... Uh, all of the exciting things that God is putting on our heart as a church, what he's providing for us. Uh, we're going to be moving into our own permanent facility. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That's going to be really, really fun. Oh, man. I cannot wait to tell you all about it, tell you some of the great stories that have led up to it, and then, and then maybe most excitedly uh, talk to you about how you can be a part of the miracle uh, that God is doing here. So come back next weekend. You will be glad you did, and I believe God has something for you. In fact, why don't you find someone next to you and say, God's got something for you. Come on, tell someone God's got something for you. I believe that he does. Um, but today, today we're doing tailgate, all right? And the reason we love tailgate weekend is because it combines... What you would have to agree are the best things on planet Earth, all right? It's people, all right? Yeah, God's greatest creation, mankind, so there's that. God's second greatest creation, food. Come on, somebody, you know what's up. Okay, and then mankind's greatest creation, football. Come on, you know that's right. Some of you are like, Scott, what about the light bulb? Come on, you know football dominates the light bulb. Where would we be without football? And, uh, and, and we get a chance to tailgate. And nobody knows how to tailgate better than Kansas City, all right? The, the, the barbecue, the pork, the sausage, it's just, it's just incredible. And, uh, and we have a really good football team here in Kansas City now. So, like, world champion, like, I mean, just Super Bowl champion. We have a great football team that can win championships here in Kansas City. And, and, of course, when I say we, I mean, like, this is my adopted team, okay? So my, my, the team that will always really have my heart is my hometown, Detroit Lions, 313, Motown, the Motor City, the Detroit Lions. And some of you are like, who? <laughs> so you're like, I didn't know Detroit had a football team. I know. It's that team that you have to watch every year at Thanksgiving. The one in blue? Yeah, that's the one. The one that loses all the time? The one that literally gives our best players away as a way of saying thanks for the memories? <laughs> like, we're just like, I know, you're so good, we want to trade you to a team that you can actually play for and win. Um, so that's, that's the Detroit Lions. I mean, it's just, just, it's amazing. A lot of times people will ask me, say, Scott, you know, you're in Kansas City, you're a Chiefs fan. Um, how would you ever feel if the Chiefs played the Lions in the Super Bowl? And, of course, my response is always, I never have to worry about that. I never have to worry. <laughs> it's never going to happen. Uh, but the Kansas City Chiefs have a team that can actually make the Super Bowl. 
and they may just make it this year, and they may just have a rematch against Tom Brady. Where they beat him this time. You never know. It could be. It could just be the year. Um, well, hey, we're just, we're pumped. We're glad that you're here. Again, tailgate, we think we're celebrating some of God's favorite things, people and food. And, uh, and actually, I want to talk to you about how important that is to God. Because I think that when you look at Jesus, some of Jesus' biggest moments were around food. Around, I believe Jesus really likes food. Can I get an amen on that? Like anybody just like, I really believe that. If you look at the Bible, some of his biggest moments were around food. He's always doing stuff with food. There's a bunch of people who need to eat, and there's this little boy who's got a lunch, and Jesus multiplies it, all right? And it's, it's, he feeds the 5,000. It's, it's an awesome, awesome miracle. Or you have the, the moment where, where Jesus restores Peter, Peter had betrayed him, and he restores him, and so Jesus decides to do this on the seashore with breakfast. I mean, it's just a great, great setting. Or you look at, like, the Last Supper. He's literally got the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's getting ready to go to the cross, and what does he do? He has dinner with his friends. I mean, when you look throughout the Bible, God does a lot of stuff around food. And, and I, I want to show you today, I want to look at Jesus' first miracle. Because Jesus' first miracle actually is all about food and, and keeping a party going. All right, so I want to talk to you about Jesus' first miracle. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, fit for a feast. Because I believe that that's what we are. All of us are fit for a feast. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. I want to look at a, a very powerful passage of scripture. It's Jesus' first miracle. And it's found in John chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, you can, you can find one on your phone. There's, uh, there's an app store, the Bible app. You can download it right there. You can follow along. If you're new, we'll also have it on the screen for you. But what I want to do is I want to walk through these verses and draw some conclusions about God's heart for you. I want, I want you to walk away with a better understanding of God's heart for you. And John chapter 2, basically the, the, the context for this, it's a wedding. It's a wedding at Cana. Jesus goes there. His mom is there. The bride and groom are there. There's a master of ceremonies that is there. Kind of think like Ryan Seacrest. He kind of keeps the whole thing, you know, like together and moving forward. Okay. His disciples are there. He doesn't probably have all 12 of them. Maybe he's got like five of them at this point. This is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Okay. And, and everything gets going. And now here's the deal about a wedding back in that day. In our day, it's the, it's the bride's responsibility usually, you know, like that's just how traditionally how it has been. The bride, you know, is, is responsible for facilitating the wedding. And that day was the groom. The groom was responsible for facilitating the wedding. So he had to do all of the planning. And in that day, it was, it was a seven-day event, all right? It was, it was usually like Wednesday to Wednesday. It was a multi-day thing where everybody comes in from out of town, and they're all there, and they're ready to party for a long time. It's a great and, – and for the couple who's getting married – it probably was the best moment of their life, like, for their whole life. Like, this was a significant deal. And so the context of the story is that they run out of wine, and this is where Jesus steps in. John chapter 2 and verse 1. If you're ready to jump in, say, I am. All right, here we go. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, 
and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Okay, again, this is, this is significant because if this is all they had to drink. So if they run out of wine, the party is over and everybody goes home. And this is how they're starting their marriage. How many know beginnings matter? Like, you know, you know, how, you know how you start is, is a big deal. And how you start your, your marriage is a, is a significant deal. Like, in this day, for, for, the, uh, for the groom, this is going to look really bad for him. I mean, he's going to be humiliated. Like, sometimes you could even sue a family member. Like, you could sue the family, like, for not doing their part. So this is a big deal. Starting off your wedding is a big deal. How you start off your marriage is a big deal. And that's why uh, when we got married, um, one of our songs, you know, every couple has a song, right? You got to have your song. Ours was uh, Chris Brown's With You. Do you guys remember that? Is that the name of the song, by the way? I think it is. I don't even know the name of the song. You know, it goes with you, with you, with you, with you, with you. I assume it's with you. Uh, there's a line in there, okay? There's a line in there, so we'd always, like, kind of, I would sing it, but I've got a lot of, like, you know, allergies here, and so it just wouldn't be a pretty picture. But there's a line that's like, you're like Jordans on a Saturday, like, that's just kind of a cool little line. So, like, I would sing that to Jen. You know, like, you're like Jordan's on a Saturday. And she'd be like, ah. Uh, and I'd be like, you're like Jordan's on a Saturday. And she's like, ah. Uh. So, anyways, so for our wedding, we got married at the church, right? We got married at the church. And I just happened to have a key to the church because I worked at the church. And so I went into the, the room where I knew she'd be getting ready. And I set up some pink Jordans. Come on, somebody. Some pink Jordans with a diamond tennis bracelet in there. You know I was starting this thing off right. <laughs> starting it off right. <laughs> Beginnings matter. This guy, he's got one job. He's got one job. Just make sure the party doesn't stop. Just make sure we got enough food, make sure we have enough wine. He had one job, one shot, one opportunity. And as Eminem said, he let it slip, unfortunately, okay? And Mary comes to him and says, hey, Jesus, can you do something about this? And watch what Jesus says in verse 4. He says, woman, why do you involve me? Some of you are like, say what? <laughs> like, Jesus and his mom were like not doing well, apparently. Okay, so there's a little bit lost in translation. You got to talk about this because otherwise we just can't move forward. But it's actually, it was actually a formal way of, of talking to his mom. It was a formal way of addressing her, and uh, it was polite. It was very polite in a formal way of addressing her, and, and it does indicate maybe something that's happening in the relationship. They, I think that they're, they're changing their relationship a little bit. Jesus has been, he's been the boy, now he's becoming the man. He has been the son, and now he is becoming the savior, and there's a transition that's happening. And yet, he says something that's very interesting in John 2, verse 4. He says, my hour has not yet come. Now, this is interesting. She's asking for help with the food, and he says, my hour has not yet come. He's giving her the time. Like, that's kind of weird, right? And, and I want to explain that. I want to unpack that here in just a moment. But there's something about Mary that knows Jesus. And because she knows Jesus, she can see it in his eye. He's going to do something here. He's going to do something. So watch what she says. So his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Let me just say, that's always a good word. That's a good word. When God tells you to do something, 
you should do it. When God says go, you should go. When God says stay, you should stay. When God says speak up, you should speak up. When God says be quiet, you should be quiet. Do whatever he tells you because he's about to do something amazing. He's about to do something amazing. Watch this. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with water so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. This is crazy. We're just reading this story. Maybe you've heard it before. A lot of times this just goes over our head. This is nuts. He says, just fill it with water. Fill those stone jars with water and then take some to the master. And so they did. I love this in verse 9. They did so. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom and said, and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glories. And his disciples believed in him. Now, this is more than a story. This is more than a story. This is actually communication of who God is and his heart for your life. And you know what we're, we're seeing in this? Is that God, God wants to keep the party going in our life. Literally, that's what he's, ha that's what he's doing in this. He's keeping the party going. And I want to show you, I want to show you four things that you can see about Jesus. Actually, three things that you can see about Jesus and one way that you can respond to Jesus. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Number one is this. Jesus came so that you can experience a party. Number two, Jesus came because he cares about the things you care about. Number three, Jesus came to provide in a way we never could. And number four, our best move is to put our faith in Jesus and do what he asks us to do. Three things that Jesus does, one way we respond, and when we do this, we will experience the miraculous in our life. All right, we're going to jump in. We're going to learn. It's going to be amazing. Before we do, I want you to find about 16 people next to you. Just turn to them and say, hey, it's time for a tailgate. Come on, tell someone it's time for a tailgate. It's time for a tailgate. All right, first point. Jesus came so that you can experience a party. Now, as I say that, some of you are cringing in your seats. You're like, oh, where's he going with this? I knew this was going to be weird as soon as I saw the wolf here. Like, I just, what's going on? And maybe, maybe for some of you, you grew up like I did. I grew up, I grew up in a Catholic church. I went to Catholic school, okay? And, um, and Catholic school was, was not a good time. In fact, Catholic schools where good times went to die, <laughs> okay? Catholic schools where good times were met with a ruler smack and a detention sin. Like, that's, that's just what happened in Catholic school. Boring equals good, fun equals bad. And follow every rule, and you just might make it to heaven. Bless God. Have you ever met a Christian like that? You ever met somebody who's like, Christianity is miserable and horrible and not fun. Want to join me? <laughs> you ever met somebody like that? 
And maybe you grew up in a center of faith like that. In fact, the reality is, as humans, we're really good at making Jesus all about rules. This is what we do. It's what we do. But when you see Jesus in the New Testament, he wasn't about rules really at all. He was all about relationship. In fact, he was about people so much that that's what they criticized him for. They said, this guy, all he wants to do is hang out with people. And these people aren't church people. These are the drunkards. These are the sinners. These are the gluttons. These are the people who God certainly can't like. Certainly God can't be there. And yet, Jesus is there with people. And what he's doing with people is he's keeping the celebration happening. Think about this for a moment. Mary's like, hey, can you do something about this? And Jesus is like, my hour's not yet come, and yet he does it. What does he do? What miracle does he do? He just provides wine. He provides wine so these people can continue to celebrate. Nobody's going to die here. There's no, there's no healing here. There's, it's not like, oh, man, they're so hungry. Like, man, they, just, if there's no more wine, they just go home. It's not the end of the world. And yet Jesus says, I'm going to do this. And he keeps the party going. I would argue that God's heart is more about keeping the party going than we would ever realize. And I'm not talking about a worldly party. I'm talking about the party of the soul, the party that ultimately results in joy. In joy. And when you look at the announcement the Christmas announcement in Luke chapter 2 that Jesus is showing up. The angel comes and says this in Luke chapter 2, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Everybody say great joy. For all the people. He says, I'm, I'm, bring, I'm here to bring you good news that's going to cause great joy. Do you know what Jesus brings? He brings joy. Do you know what God's heart is to bring to your life? It's to bring joy. Let me show you this in, in Romans chapter 15. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all, everybody say it with me, joy. Is it up there? <laughs> Let's try it again. All right. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. John 16. Ask, Jesus is, is, is encouraging us to come pray to him. And he says this, ask and you will receive and your, everybody say it with me, joy will be complete. Do you realize that a byproduct of seeking God and having God in your life is more joy? And Jesus uses his first miracle to communicate that. I've come so that the party will keep going. I've come so that you can have joy and joy overflowing. Let me just tell you this. God does not want to steal joy from your life. He wants to bring joy to your life. In fact, what God wants to do is he wants to take the things that we feel are worthwhile, the things that we are looking to our life to, that, that we think are going to bring joy but never do. He wants to replace those things with the only thing that actually will bring joy, and that's a relationship with the living God. That's God's heart. That's what God wants to bring. He says, I, I want to show you, I want to show you that when you run out, I'm going to give you something that will never run out. It's life. It's joy. And, and, 
and we see this in John chapter 10. Jesus talks about this. This is Jesus' words, and I love the message paraphrase. He says, a thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, he's talking about the devil here. He's talking about what the devil wants to do in our life. He only comes to steal. He only comes to kill. He only comes to destroy. This is the work of the enemy. But Jesus says, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. This is the Son of God in his own words saying what he's here to do. He came to bring a party, a party of the soul, a party that brings joy, a party that finds hope and fulfillment and grace and peace and truth in a relationship with the living God. Now here's how this happens. Now watch this, this is amazing. In John chapter two, verse four, he says something that's very interesting. He says, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. Now that phrase, when Jesus uses that phrase in other parts of the gospels, he's talking about the cross. So it's kind of like, hey, he's starting to talk about like, my time has come. The time has come for me to go to the cross. The time has come for me to die. When you see Jesus talking about that, that means he's going to the cross. Now he's at a wedding. The celebration is happening, the joy is there, and he says, my time has not yet come. That's a little bit morbid. Scott, I thought you just told me that he was talking about bringing joy. What's Jesus talking about here? When he says, my hour has not yet come, he's thinking about his death. Now, pause for a moment. What are most single adults thinking about at someone else's wedding? Their wedding. And they're probably asking God why it hasn't happened yet. I had a lot of those weddings. I didn't get married until I was 30. So, I mean, it was like continually like, oh, God, another wedding. I did weddings for other people, you know, and I wasn't even married yet. Like, I performed ceremonies, you know, and I'm here having to talk to them about marriage. I didn't even know what marriage was. You know, I'm just talking about from the Bible, so I didn't even experience it yet. What are most single people thinking about at a wedding, their wedding? And yet Jesus is talking about his death. It's because Jesus knows that his death will actually bring about the greatest wedding of all time. It's the wedding that takes place, the Bible talks about in Revelation, is the wedding supper of the Lamb. And you know what that is? That's heaven. That's, that's where the church, the church, which is called the bride in the Bible, gets united with the bridegroom. And let me just tell you, God wants you there. It's the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's eternity, it's heaven, it's awesome. It's a party that never ends. And Jesus in this first miracle at a wedding is thinking about his death, which will bring about the greatest wedding of all time. And he's saying, I came and I want you to know I'm gonna do this very first miracle because I'm thinking about why I'm here. Do you know this, that if you're here today and you're away from God, the reason you're here today is because God doesn't want you to be away from him any longer. You're not here by accident. Someone invited you, someone brought you, you saw a flyer, you, you saw a card on the ground and you came. God loves you and has a plan for your life and wants to fill you with joy both now and for eternity. That's the good news of the gospel. And it causes great joy. It causes great joy. All right, there's a second thing that we find out. And it's this, Jesus came because he cares about the things you care about. He cares about the things that you care about. 
When the wine was gone, verse three, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. All right, now let's, again, put ourselves in that wedding context. Is, is anybody dying here? The answer is no. I mean, is this, is this, lit, is this, gonna, is this really like that big of a deal? Like, you know, in the, in the scheme of eternity? Like, doesn't Jesus have like better things to do? Right? Like, surely there's some people who need healing. Surely there's some people who need to be raised from the dead. Surely there's some people who need their marriages restored. Surely there's some people who need to be taught the message of the kingdom. Why is Jesus taking time to do a miracle here? Who, who, who does this really affect? Really two people. Really, the groom and the bride. The groom's gonna be embarrassed if this doesn't happen. And the bride, she's gonna turn into bridezilla if it doesn't happen. I mean, let's just be honest. So it's really bad for the groom. I mean, let's just be honest. <laughs> this is a bad day for him. And yet, it's interesting, but Jesus stops what he's doing, and he engages with something that would be relatively small. Why? Because he's saying, I care about the things you care about. Isn't that really the essence of relationship? You know, have you ever been in a relationship with somebody where you're like, I don't get why you like that, but because you like that, I'm willing to do that, you know, like with you? Like, I don't know why you want to watch that show. That's weird to me, but like, I'm willing to watch that show with you. I'm willing to go in this place. Like, isn't that the essence of relationship? As I, if that's important to you, then it's important to me. And Jesus is saying, this is really important to two people. And I'm going to do this because I want to show them that I love people and I have a plan and, and I care for them. Look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Do you know what he's saying? You matter. God loves you. You're valuable because you're made in the image of God. You are an image bearer. You're, you are not an accident. You are not just a, 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 the latest in evolutionary design. God has created you in his image. And because he's created you in his image, you have great value. You have great worth. And God loves you with an everlasting love. And he's not mad at you. He's mad about you. So much to send his son to be here and for his first miracle to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something just because. You know, at, at Hy-Vee, they have the, the just because bouquets. They're like five bucks. You can pick those up. You can bring them home. It's always a win for Jen. I just know this. Just because. It's just like, there's no reason. There's no reason outside of just because. I was thinking about you and I love you. That's the heart of God. And because of that, God caring about the things that we care about, do you know what you can do? You can go to God with your needs. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him. Have you been anxious at all in the last year and a half or so? Have you been anxious at all? Do you know what God says? Cast it all on him. Why? 
because he cares for you. Peter walked with Jesus. He knew the heart of Jesus. He cares about the big. He cares about the small. He cares about everything. He cares about it. He cares about every detail in your life. All right, third thing is this. Jesus came to provide in a way we never could. Jesus proves that he loves us and he cares for us by providing in a way that we never could. Okay, so what happens in this story? What happens? The best wine gets made last, which is what nobody did that. They brought the, the best wine first. You know, so after people have had too much to drink, they're like, I don't care. Yeah, it tastes fine. Like that's what, that literally what the passage is saying. Watch, it says, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. God provides better than we ever could. And he always does that. He always does that. He provides better than we ever could. Now, as it relates to us getting to God, as it relates to us experiencing salvation, here's what this means. Your works can't ever get it done. Your works can't ever get it done. As good of a person as you can be, you can't ever be good enough to make God like you enough to let you in heaven. Just not going to work that way. Just not going to work. Because what determines good? Like, let's just be honest. How many of you know somebody who's really messed up? Come on, just raise your hand if you know somebody who's got some issues. Okay. But how many of you know we all have some issues? <laughs> so what issue keeps you out? What, what issue says, no, you can't make it? What, what determination of good? How are you ever good enough? See, that's what religion is. Religion is if you just keep doing enough good things, then maybe God will like you enough to be like, all right, you can come in. That's religion. And that's what we do. Because you know what that's based on? If you, look at, if you think about religion, it's always based on us. It's always about us. Christianity is not a religion. It is relationship. It gets turned into religion, but it's never, it's never been based on that. It's always been about a relationship with the living God who sent his son to become perfect because we never could be perfect. Here's the reality. There's a, there's a, there's a real thing called sin. And every time we sin, it separates us from God. It separates our relationships. It brings death. It brings deceit. It brings hate. It brings discord. The stuff that is messed up about our society and our world today is all a result of sin. But Jesus came, he lived, and he died, and was buried, and was raised again to take our sin from us and to ultimately bring life to us. That's the power of the gospel. And he could do it in a way that we never could. He provides. You can never be good enough. Some of you, maybe you come in here, you don't have a relationship with the living God. You have not trusted Jesus as your savior. You have not moved from death to life. You're, you're literally trying to be good enough to make God like you. You'll never be good enough to make God like you. He already likes you. He already loves you. But he can't, he can't abide in a sinful reality without that being atoned for. Jesus has paid it all. And he's made up the distance. And so what's our best move? This is the fourth thing. Our best move is to put our faith in Jesus and do what he asks us to do. Look at verse 5. We read it again. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Always a good move. Do what Jesus tells you. Then he told them, now draw, this is Jesus speaking, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. 
and three very powerful words, they did so. Now put ourselves in that situation. You're a servant in this household. I, we don't know how you got to this place, but you're here and you know that like, if you mess this thing up, it's not gonna go well for you. If you bring, if you bring wine that is just water to the master of ceremonies publicly, this thing is gonna go bad. This is gonna go south in a hurry. But these guys, there was something about Jesus that made, that made them say, we believe. This makes no sense. <laughs> this could cost me my reputation. This could cost me my job, my livelihood. But there was something about them that said, this makes no sense, and yet I believe. And so they scooped the water out, and we don't know when it turned to wine. I don't know when it turned to wine. Was it when Jesus, there's no like magic moment that happens. Jesus just tells them. It's not like he blesses it, not like he takes a spoon and like comes over it, and he doesn't do any of that. I, we don't know when it turns to wine. It may turn to wine as they're actually walking. Maybe it was the faith that unlocked the miracle, but all we know is that they did so. And because they trusted God, everybody experienced a miracle. Can I just tell you that's how it is with us? God wants to do something amazing in your life. God wants to do something miraculous in your life. He wants to save you. He wants to lift you up out of the mire and the muck and the disappointment of this world. But there has to be a moment where you stop trusting in yourself. You realize that, man, at the end of the day, you can only produce so much and you're never gonna get to where God needs you to be. And if you would just trust God, he would save you and he would give you a new spirit, the Bible says, He'd put something inside of you. He'd make you born again. And you wouldn't be distant from God, but now you would become close. And that doesn't mean you're perfect. Christianity doesn't make you perfect. It just means you're in a relationship with the one who is. And you're covered. You're covered by the blood of the lamb. That's what happens with Christianity. That's what Jesus is bringing. But for you, today, the way that happens is when you say yes. Like those servants, you start moving in, in the direction that Jesus wants you to go. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all the answers. It does, you don't have to understand every theological implication. If you wait for that moment, you'll never experience faith. But there's gotta be a moment where you stop saying, I'm putting my hope in myself and I'm willing to trust in a God who loves me and has clearly communicated that. And as you do, new life will spring up in your heart. You know, I mentioned that I grew up Catholic, and, um, and it was very performative. It was very ritualistic. It was very just do, do, do. And it was a, there was no, li there was no life in, the, in, in what we experienced and what our family had. You know, we went Christmas, Easter, and it, there was no, it was just, it was just to do it. And when my parents gave their lives to Christ, there was a dramatic change, a dramatic change that only God can do. I saw it as a second grader. I saw it. I remember it vividly. And then I watched as my family began to walk with God and, and, and prioritize God and, and make, make church and the kingdom of God a priority. I watched the difference that happened in my family's life and the rest of my family. And the only way they can describe it 
is supernatural grace when you say yes to God. And, and that's what's available. It's available for you today. If you're here at North Campus, you're watching at South Campus, you're watching online, grace is available. It is the most powerful force in the universe. and God wants you to experience it. But like those servants, what do we have to do? We have to do what he tells us to do. We have to say yes. And in that movement, the miraculous happens. I'm gonna pray that the miracle of new life happens for all of us. We pray, Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much, God, for your goodness. Thank you so much for the grace of God that is better than we deserve. We, there's no way we could have ever earned it. There's no way we could have done enough things to earn your favor. But God, we thank you for the, for the undeserved, abundant mercy and grace of God. Thank you for it, Lord. And Father, I pray for every person who's here, every person who's at the South Campus, every person who's watching online right now, I pray that, God, you would just speak to their hearts, that the Holy Spirit would work, and that, God, you would help them to understand that they can't fix what's wrong in their life on their own, but only you can, and you already have, if they would just trust it. We pray for the miraculous work of grace to take place. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to take a moment. I just want to ask you, this is why this moment right here is the most important moment of our service. It's why we've done all of this. It's why we have tailgate. It's why we have invite cards. It's to tell you about the goodness of God and then give you a chance to respond. Give you just a chance to respond. It's why we're here. We're committed to this. And you're here today and you're saying, man, this is speaking right to me. Maybe you've made God about religion. Maybe you've made God about rules. Maybe you've made yourself the center of your universe and you're realizing like the guy, like the groom who ran out of wine, that eventually this world will not satisfy you. Eventually this party will run out. But there is a party that lasts forever. It is the wedding supper of the lamb and God wants you at it. And the beautiful thing is, you don't have to do anything except believe it's crazy. It doesn't even make sense. That's the beauty of grace. It's just saying, yes, I receive. If you're here today, and this is speaking right to you, you know this is your opportunity, whether it be for the first time or for the first time in a long time, to say, God, I want, I want to be right with you. I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my life. I want to dedicate my, my all to you, and I surrender to your will. And I say, let your will be done in my heart and in my life. I, I want all that you have for me. If that's you today, you're here at North Campus, you're at the South Campus, watch online, you're saying, man, this is speaking right to me. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and I'm gonna ask you to say yes to God. Say, God, I want what you have. God's speaking to you right now. And like those servants, you have, a, you have an opportunity to move in his direction. As you move, the miraculous will take place. So you're here today saying, man, this is speaking right to me. I wanna make a decision to say yes to God. I want to pray for you. I want to believe God to do something amazing in your life, the best miracle that could ever happen, the miracle of salvation. If you're here and that's you, would you slip up your hand all across this place? Just raise it up. Hands going up here, North Campus, South Campus, online. Just interact with the chat. Come on, raise your hand. Say, this is me. Hands going up. Yeah, I see him. I see him. Hands going up. Come on, just don't miss out on this opportunity. God's speaking to you. And you're saying, man, this is, I need this. Just raise your hand and say, Scott, would you pray for me? I want to pray for every person. 
who says, God, I want what you have. I want that free gift of grace. Father, I pray for every person who is reaching out for you right now. I pray that, God, you would do that miraculous work of grace. Lord, as they reach out to you, that you would, that you would interact with them. And, Father, they would experience newness of life. A true relationship with the living God. Let it happen. Let it be powerful. Let it be undeniable. And, Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, would you stand with me? So many people raised their hands. I'm just so excited, so thankful for it. That's why we're here. And I want you to know we're here to help you in your journey. And I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down to the front, if you would. We're going to have uh, some people who will be praying uh, after service. We want to pray with you. If you say, man, I, I really want to experience all that God has, we want to pray. But let's take a moment as a church. Can we just lift our hands all across this place? And we just want to take a moment and respond to God. And if you made a decision to follow Christ, this is a great time for you to pray your own prayer. Say, Lord, I want to follow you. Lord, I want all that you have for me. I submit to you. I make you Lord of my life. And I surrender, I surrender my very all to you. In Jesus' name, let's worship.